Welcome to the How Scary Is It podcast, a podcast in which Bree and I, we sit here every once in a while. We uh, watch a scary movie, and then we tell you. How scary is it? Yes, yes, yes. Hey, Bree, do me a favor real quick while we're on the sticks. Push your mic up a little bit. Ah, there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, hi, Bree. I, I'm Anthony, if you and don't know. And I'm Bree. And, and this is the How Scary Is It podcast. We're here. We're back after a uh, two-week-long little hiatus that we took. Um, man, I, we didn't even take it for a reason. No, we've been busy. <laughs> we've been busy. It's just busy. It's just, uh, being busy and being... Um, like wrapping we're we're starting to wrap up our school years as uh we get to the end of the school year it gets a little bit busier um in planning our class especially i don't know about you brie as a uh elementary teacher but as a high school teacher i teach primarily seniors and they're they're almost done as of the time that this recording comes out they've got a week left so um we're trying to get them where they need to be and it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort and it takes a lot of focus so ultimately what happened was we we just ran out of time and we didn't have time to sit down at the end of the night watch a movie next day get on the sticks hit the record button and and talk through this stuff so we decided it was best uh to take like a little bit of a a little bit of a break but now we're back yeah. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing good. Have my um, lemonade tea with peach juice that I make myself. And I had a little sandwich. What was on the sandwich? Uh, turkey, mustard. Oh, cheese? No. No cheese. Why not? Because I didn't want any cheese. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Um, I'm feeling fresh. Yeah. How's your how's how have you been for the past two weeks? What's been going on in your life, Bree? Uh, I've got a couple of new tattoos. And that's about it. Yeah. Um no exciting news to report. I've kind of been like in a rut where I feel like I do the same thing every day. And then I go back and I do the same thing and then I go back. Welcome to adulthood. And I do the same thing <laughs> and I'm just kinda like bored. Like, my life is boring. Yeah, well, you know, welcome to adulthood. It doesn't have to be. I think what um, we were talking, I think we were talking about this, like, not too long ago, that there are times in our life where it feels like we're, um, if we're in the water, for example, like, there are times when there there's a, there's a big tide and there's a big wave and we go over the wave and that's exciting. But then there's other times where we just chill in the lazy river and it's just very, uh, it's just very stagnant. And I think it's fine to be stagnant for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little boring. Mm-hmm. We got, we got nothing really going on. Like, we we have some fun things planned for the summer, but, like, we really don't have anything going on. And I'm just being, I'm, like, really stressed out with, like, planning some stuff for my sister right now and her wedding that's in November. And I just feel like... It's boring right now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be exciting. That's true. Yeah. A little excitement would be fun. I suppose. 
I was like, like the, like the most you... exciting thing that's happened is my dog was diagnosed with liver cancer. And that was not good not exciting. Ki- not Kaido. This Let's... was not good exciting. Yeah. This was bad. Not Kaido. The different dog. Different my parents' dog. But mm-hmm. a dog that I've had since high school. Right. Right. So that's like the only thing of unpredictability that's happened within the last couple of weeks. Well, uh, speaking of dogs, man, have we had a rough go at it with Kaido in the past couple of weeks. This this guy wouldn't eat his food. He was being a pain. Yeah, for like two, three weeks, he was just spitting out his food, his kibble. And now this dog, he gets scrambled eggs, gourmet food, <laughs> um, strawberries. He gets gourmet stuff, this dog. I said, I keep telling people, this dog eats better than I do sometimes. Where he, like, okay, so we cha- we had a couple different things that we did. We first started uh, putting different wet food in. Because we usually mix his kibble with a little bit of wet food with the same flavor. He didn't want that. Then we said, okay, well, maybe he is protesting his kibble. And so we changed his kibble. Same company, different recipe. Screwed up his digestion for like a day. He had he woke us up in the middle of the night Exploding. twice to explode outside. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. Um, and then he's fine. And then he still continued to refuse. And I called the vet, and the vet was like, "Hold him out. He's being picky. Hold him out." And I'm the type of person who's like, "Okay, if you don't eat, tough titties, whatever." But Mr. Made of Gelatin over here is like, I can't do it. I can't do it. My heart. My heart couldn't take. And I'm like. Morally, I didn't think that it was right to hold him out. But eventually, we were just like, I don't know what else to do. We started putting um, egg, scrambled egg in his food. We started putting like cut up organic strawberries in his food. He has this little beef topper that we were using. And it was like nothing was working. And then all of a sudden, like two days ago, guy's back to normal. He's eating his food in like seven minutes when two weeks ago it was taking him an hour. I hate him sometimes. I hate him. I hate him. I don't know what was wrong with him. Did he have a stomach bug? I don't know. Maybe he was playful, active, didn't seem like anything was wrong with him. Just a booty cheek. But I'm wondering if more recently he just like figured it out after a while that we weren't going to add anything more to his food and he was just like okay i guess i'll deal with it i mean he got he's got it made right now though he gets eggs and um goat's milk and uh my boss my boss gave us like a good uh recipe for um like a ground beef veggie do you want to know something? carb mixture that we were going to use and we never got to it because he got better before Mm -hmm. then my therapist says she makes her dog's food and then just buys like the vitamins and stuff that dogs need. Yeah, I've and you heard people do them that. on top. You got to be careful with that, though, from what I read, because it's like you can't give your dog too much of the vitamins. and You can't give them under and it's got to be based on their weight and their breed. There's a lot to consider when doing that. So I don't know. He's back to that's all I care about. He's eating the kibble. He's eating the wet food. I don't no, care I'm going to kill him if I don't care anymore. ever stops doing this again. And I think we we had like uh, goals for Kaido where it was like, by the end of May, the dog should be 
eating 15 minutes or under. Well, he's there already. Now it's by the end of May, we can eliminate the egg or the the strawberry and just give him the wet food with with the new kibble. We'll get there. I don't I think, think so. I think it's slow, but one day we'll he's try too, it. Like, he's too like optimistic. I think if we take away something, the dog will stop eating again. <laughs> I don't know. I don't even want to try it, and to I'm be completely like, honest. And I'm like, he's going to stop eating. <laughs> I think we could try not doing the egg anymore once we run out of eggs, but also have eggs in the fr- fridge just in case. Oh, like we were giving him goat's milk. The goat's milk I might actually stick with because it's been really helping his digestion and his poops outside. But um, TMI to everybody out there wanting to hear about all oh, dog the dog's craps. poops. The dog's poops are glorious. They're 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 incredible. Well, I just want him to be a good boy for one. And he's a good boy. He's a good baby. Except when he attacks me. He was being he was on one this morning. Oh yeah, this he, dog was on. He one. was on one this morning. He did, he wanted to play so bad that he kept screaming he, at us. Screaming. <laughs> And when we say scream, like screaming, <laughs> and I was like, what is his problem? It's this guy's deal. And then Anthony's like, oh, do you want to like go out in the backyard? Make sure, make sure you're, make sure you're uh, close to the mic. Or do you want to go out in the backyard and stuff and play with him? And then we did. And he was crazy out there and he got my freaking sweater all full of his foamy drool. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I guess I'm not wearing this sweater to the gym. And so I had to change, which peed me off because I had to get all changed before I go to the gym again. But then I got the good part was that after the gym, I went to Meyer and I got chicken because yesterday we tried to get chicken at Meyer and they didn't have any. That store never has anything, but it's the only like discount store that's around here. I hate it there. Hate it. Um, also, an, groceries an, expensive. Groceries are expensive. On another note, we did go see the Super Mario Brothers movie a few weeks ago. That is not the movie in which we will be. That's not the movie. The very different movie. We like that. They're my uh, the, my students like that too. Yeah, I was gonna ask you how your students react. They're obsessed. To the movie. They're are like, I'm gonna go the, see. Are they singing the song? No. The Peach song. No, that's an adult thing. Adults are singing. The how movie. stupid. I know. How um, stupid of us. And the kids are like, I'm going to go see it again. I'm going to go see it again. I'm like, if I was a parent, I'd be like, no. No, we're not. <laughs> it is a really, like, it's a quick movie. It is a quick movie, but would you go with your kid three times to see it in theaters? No. Because movie tickets are expensive. If I was on A-list, I'd be, yeah, the, sure. What's the problem is with A-list is, like, kids can't be on A-list. No, but there are child prices um still those add up after a while for three times seeing the same movie like nah kid you're waiting for it i'll get you the dvd when it comes out we'll we'll buy it on itunes i don't know what what is it like amazon you can buy the movie like two weeks after it comes out like shazam is already up on amazon if you want to buy it ain't nobody buying that movie but no it's like did worse than morbius yeah, I feel so bad because the director is such a cool, like David Sandberg. He's such a cool dude and like very, um, like genuine about what he does, and he's very open about what he does in his process. So it, it's not his fault. 
I'm sure the movie is like perfectly adequate. No. I think it's James Gunn's fault. I think the problem was that James Gunn came in and said, well, nothing is um, nothing like I'm starting over. They should not have announced that until, until like at right now until May or April where it's after Shazam's come out before the flash and before blue beetle. That's when you start announcing this stuff. They announced this like rebranding of the DC continuity in what, like January. I think it was. And so it killed Shazam's momentum. Also the rock being Aquaman too. An is supposed egomaniac. To come out soon. Uh, oh yeah someone brought up like how big of an egomaniac the rock is and well, i was rock, like okay that makes a lot of sense him not I love wanting the rock, but to it makes be a lot of sense. like in the shazam movie at all well then somebody brought up okay um you remember they came out with dc's league of super pets it was an animated movie in which the rock voiced crypto the super dog and then the end credits scene of the of uh league of super pets was crypto meeting black adam and black adam's dog all three of those characters were voiced by the rock (laughs) (laughs) so the rock was having interactions with himself in the post credits what an egomaniac i know it's like crypto the super dog voiced by the rock meets black adam voiced by the rock and black adam's dog also voiced by the rock (laughs) It's like, okay, so someone also brought up on Twitter, I was reading, like, The Rock is a brand. The Rock's not going to do anything that The Rock feels is going to make his brand look bad. And he's going to do everything to make sure that the brand is elevated. Mm -hmm. So when it comes down to his involvement at the DC, it was like, we're all in on The Rock because of the brand. We're all in on League of Super Pets because The Rock's brand is attached to it. With the XFL, it's the same thing. Like, we're on board with the XFL because The Rock's brand is on board with the XFL. But the moment that the XFL, I, I fingers crossed this never happens because I love the XFL. Moment that the XFL starts to fail, you bet that The Rock is going to dip out of that because it doesn't want it to look bad on the brand. That was the same thing with like um, Fast and the Furious. Rock had so many problems, on, uh, allegedly, according to the dirt sheets, on the fast set with Vin Diesel and Tyrese and everybody that he just dipped out of the franchise. Not going to do anything that's going to make the rocks brand look bad. It's interesting. This is like, he's a really interesting dude to, to kind of cherry pick and, and psychoanalyze a little bit. I don't know the guy, nor do I care to really know the guy. I'm a fan. Casual fan, Casual but fan. I don't They say never meet your heroes. Um, because they're, I think the problem is that everyone's human. We're all fallible. We're all fallible. We we all make mistakes. We all have like our own thing going on. And when you meet someone you're like, you absolutely love and then they're less than perfect. You put people up on a pedestal and you get like the um, non-reality based version of that person in your head. So like sometimes when you meet that person and they're like agitated, then they come off to you as being a jerk and then you don't like them anymore when it's like, we're just human. There was this video that was circulating on Twitter of Ben Affleck outside smoking a cigarette. And he's like taking pictures of the fans are like, look how annoyed Ben Affleck was. And 
first of all, he did not look annoyed at all. He was like gladly taking pictures with fans outside of whatever. But place he also they had to realize at. he's like out there smoking a cigarette. Exactly, and all it was same thing with <laughs> um all these nerds that stop WWE wrestlers at the airport and want them to sign like boxes for Funko Pops, like hundreds of boxes for these Funko Pops. And the WWE people are like starting to say no to this stuff because they're like, I'm you're you're not even a fan. I'm only signing this stuff so that you can go sell it and on eBay and like make a bunch of money off of it. And so they're starting to say no to that. People are being agitated at the airport coming off of these long flights. And anybody that's been on an airplane knows that like jet lag is a thing and flights are exhausting. Nobody wants to come out of a flight at the airport, be stopped by a bajillion people so they can get you to sign something or they can take a picture of like leave people alone when they're out in public. Never stop a celebrity when they're having dinner, you know, because that's like nobody likes to be interrupted while they're at dinner stuff like that i think i wish people were just like nicer and like more considerate i remember i once saw Corey crawford in the lobby of a hotel didn't even go up to say hi my friend did yeah i just said hey that's Corey crawford but everybody was like he was super cool about it so when my friend approached him was like i'm big fan Great didn't, to meet you. Didn't even have him sign anything. Yeah, just like, shook his he's hand. He's here with his nice family. Like he's at the hotel with his family. Like leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Just wanted to say I'm a big fan. Shook his hand. That was it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's because I I just don't feel the need, and that's just me. If if the celebrity's not making a buck off of signing something for me, I don't think it's fair. Like if a pro wrestler is at Comic Con or something, and there's a booth to like get a picture and an autograph, like they're there to do that thing. And they're gladly there to, and they're going to be nice to you because they're getting paid to do it. Exactly. But when you go up to somebody on their private time and you want something done for free and you're rude about it, Mm -hmm. like these people at the airport are rude. They're like following people. My, my personality things in their face. Yeah. Like my personality would never, if I saw a celebrity at an airport, like I would never be like, Oh, I'm going to go approach that person because I'm always like nervous. The airport is where I wear sweatpants, sweatshirt, my hair up in a bun and my Crocs. I don't want nobody bothering me. I would probably, I've, I've, if I, I've always thought about it because I've never like met a celebrity out in the wild, you know? Um, but I've always thought about it in the sense of, well, I would probably just be like, big fan, like <laughs> across the the street or something or across the air is like big fan or something or just like discreetly say something instead of like, hey, can I get a picture and you can sign this stuff and I'm taking like 10 minutes of your time away from you and I'm yeah, stopping you, you while you're doing like, something. Take time away from people. Yeah. Just feel like. I don't know. If I was a celebrity, I would want no one to ever approach me. That's what. Well, I've. <laughs> talked about it a bajillion times i'm like this is why i could never be a celebrity this, i i if i had any kind of talent in the world that would lead me to that level of success i probably wouldn't want that celebrity lifestyle because i like i appreciate my privacy to an extent you know we we talk about things on the podcast we don't talk about everything on the i podcast. would like to make money like a celebrity makes money but i would not like my privacy invaded yeah. There's just like something about like. Okay. So like Taylor Swift just broke up with this guy. Right. 
and like everybody's in her business about it like Make, every- making like assumptions and she's asked multiple times for people to just like stay out of her personal life yes like and saying and you, that and she you know, like we don't know we don't know shit we don't know shit we, about anything like, all we know is that her friends are unfollowing him on instagram and twitter but i'm but i told anthony this i said if we broke up i would expect for my family to unfriend you on things like that's just what people do yeah why would you like unless we remain friends but it doesn't seem like they're remaining friends normally what happens is like when people go through a breakup your friends don't generally talk to your ex anymore because <laughs> yeah, like so they're why, your friends. So like why would her friends continue to follow him on social media? Mm-hmm. And people are like, it's so rude that they're all unfollowing. It's like these people can do whatever they want. And th- they all unfollowed him after having dinner with her. <laughs> oh, is that the picture I saw? They all did like a... There was this picture of uh, Taylor Swift with like the Heim sisters, Blake Lively, and like somebody else. And one of the captions on there was like, it can be any kind of weather in New York and you would not even know because they're all dressed for different seasons. <laughs> but it's just like, we don't know what happened, but like we don't, we don't need to make assumptions, you know, like they're not going to remain friends. Her friends don't see the need to be friends with him anymore. So it's over. who cares? And who cares? Who cares? Because that's her personal life. I just want to listen to the music. Now, selfishly, she's going to have a bomb-ass next album. (laughs) (laughs) She's going to have such a great next album, too. Especially for the stuff that she's doing on tour about, like, that she's been doing about Lover on tour, where she's like... Uh, the iconography is being like mocked on stage. I bet we're going to have a great next album in the next year or so. That's going to be based around her because Taylor Taylor Swift frequently writes about her personal life and like her mindset. Mm. So I'm eager. I'm eager to see what the creative man when when human beings go through tragedy and go through like maybe some important and not very positive life experiences they tend to make some bomb art out of it and i'm I'm eager to see where that comes from not me just, no i just lay in the bed what I said, oh i just lay in bed sad i don't create no bomb art well i mean i'm talking about like um people that like make music for a living like usually they write some pretty good songs about their experiences and stuff i would agree Mm-hmm. she was like what million albums about that i mean the only ones that are not like basic. she breaks up with one person and it covers an entire album so i'm i'm eager you know how many she gets th- into a relationship with one person it's enough to fuel an entire album about how sh- uh she's matured in her understanding of love it's perfect i just think so we're waiting on fearless tv right mm-hmm. and when um red tv came out People are like, oh, I hate Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> Just wait. When, Just wait. Because yeah. when Fear- Fearless TV comes out. Is that Joe? No, that's John Mayer. Ah, oh, let's go. He's dead. <laughs> <laughs> that guy is human garbaggio. Isn't he like way older than her too? Uh, they Taylor, both were like Taylor, way older. No, Taylor Swift was 
Taylor Swift is like 33 or something now. Mm-hmm. John Mayer was older than Taylor Swift is currently Aww, when he started gross. dating her at 19. Nasty. Gross. Ew. Ew, John. Isn't that, isn't that gross? That's gross. Dear John. Ew. Ew. No, you're gross. <laughs> you're gross. You're... It's like the whole like Leonardo DiCaprio thing where it's like there has to be something wrong with these men. It keeps doing it. That they keep. <laughs> it keeps dating like 19 year old women. 19 year olds and breaks up with them when they turn 25. E- There's just there has to. I, I, I have to echo like what people have said online and what my mom has told me over the years. What could a 30 year old possibly have in common with an 18 year old i agree like what could they possibly have in common it's weird it's weird even as if- a, as a as a high school teacher yes that's weird because me being a 27 year old person i teach 17 and 18 year old students that's the age gap between Leonardo DiCaprio and some of his past girlfriends, right? Like that, like you're a 30 something year old person. He's like in his fifties. Oh, really? Oh, you're, you're right. Well, John Mayer, John Mayer, the John Mayer and Taylor Swift age gap. Let's put it that way. So to me, that's especially disgusting (laughs) because I'm like, these are like the this is like the age difference between me and my students so it's like when i look at that i just say like ew <laughs> that's gross and nobody would like for i agree with you what what could you possibly have in common with those people on a personal level like me and my students bs about a lot of different things i don't even think i would date we someone we never like i would never think to say oh i can have like an intimate relationship with somebody of this age because a that's disgusting and b that i it's like what could you possibly talk about i don't know there's just i i don't even think i could date someone in their early 20s i was talking to another teacher about this too where it's like if you're like 25 and and like somewhere between like 18 and 25 it's like i still see you as a child i was like i'm only 27 but i would probably never even conceive dating anyone 24 like Mm -hmm. remember when i forgot that i was 27 he thought he was (laughs) what 23 did you think you were yeah we were watching like how i met your mother and i was like oh we're around their age i said oh isn't it crazy uh that like ted is kind of or no you, you said that or someone one of us said isn't it crazy how like at the start of the show ted and his friends are like the same age that we are now and then i said something like you're like no no i'm like 23 (laughs) i was like you're you're what (laughs) and then i just had this like moment where i was like wait in my mind i'm like perpetually 23 even though i'm older than that (laughs) no no Okay, I think we've BSed enough. I think it's time to get into the nitty gritty. Gritte. Gritte. Oh, man, I wanted to tell you this. Is there a dance called the gritty? Yes. Oh, okay. Is it the one where you like move your leg a little bit? 
how do you do it? I can you describe I, I, it? I cannot dance. So, no, I cannot describe. We it. had a pep rally for our um, basketball team that the school sponsors that won a state championship, and they had two mascots from sports teams in the area come, and all this mascot did was continue to hit the gritty like for like an hour straight. He was hitting the gritty, and um, it was a good time. The mascot whacked me in the face with his tail a few times, and all the students saw it and laughed, and they're like, we saw you get bullied by the mascot. And I'm like, yeah, I always get bullied by the freaking mascots. I was like, I must have that kind of like vibe where the mascots feel like they can come up to me and mess with me because like that continues to happen to me every time I go to like a sporting event. The mascots always rip on me. Anyway. Isn't your school's mascot like a rock? <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> it's the 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 suit is really funny. It's um a giant meteor, like a yellow meteor with like cartoon eyes, but the hands are like T Rex hands. So like you can't really move the arms. It's just hands. So there's like. It's, it seems like it's very uncomfortable in there for the student who's portraying the meteor man. Um, but yeah, it, it was, it, it's a funny, it's a funny suit. We used to have the meteor man. It used to be this guy in like a blue mask and like a blue jumpsuit. And then they found, I think they found the old mascot suit from like 50 years ago and they've just been using that one now. Anyway. Let's get into it. Let's get okay, into it. Okay. Tell them what we're doing. Let me talk to you. We are discussing fairly new film. Um, because we're not shy on this podcast to continue to talk about movies that are currently in theaters and have recently come out. So here's the deal. We are going to be talking about Evil Dead Rise, movie that came out on April 21st, April 21st, 2023, um, as of this recording. It should have been out for about a week. So this is your cue as the listener. If you have not seen it, go away. If you have not <laughs> seen the movie and you don't want to hear any spoilers in regards to the movie Evil Dead Rise, now's the time to pause. Now's the time to get in your car, hop your butt to the theater, go to your local theater, pay the $15 or whatever. It's expensive these days, I know, but it's a pretty decent film. So, go support it. Buy your buy your buy your icy, get, which we did. Get your popcorn, which we did not. Limit yourself on how much you're eating and ingesting as you go into this movie because you might throw up. It's pretty sickening. Now. Once you finish the movie, you can come back to the podcast and then you can hear all of our spoilery conversation about the film. So our spoilery conversation is going to start in three, two, one. All right. The movie that we watched today was Evil Dead Rise 2023 film. Let me pull up some of the... um. Let me pull up some of the facts, some of the good stuff here. It's a 2023 American supernatural horror film written and directed by Lee Cronin. This is the fifth installment in the Evil Dead film series. So the Evil Dead series has three main continuity films. 
a TV show that lasted three seasons that um, plays into that same continuity. And then they did a remake or a reboot, I suppose, in 2013. And then this is the second reboot that they've done. The film stars Lily Sullivan and Alyssa Sutherland as two estranged sisters trying to survive and save their family from demonic creatures. Um, Morgan Davies, Gabrielle Eccles, and Nell Fisher appear in supporting roles. Evil Dead, I I think before we start the movie and the conversation about the movie, I think we got to go back because we didn't review for, for the podcast any of the previous Evil Dead films, but we've seen all of them, right? Like, I don't think, have you seen the 2013 one? I wouldn't remember. Yeah. Um, but we did watch at some point um, Evil Dead 1, 2, Army of Darkness, and we watched the full Ash versus Evil Dead series, which I love. That was good. I'm a big, big fan of the Evil Dead franchise. Like, um, these are some of my favorite horror movies. And I think that there's some things that make the Evil Dead franchise what it is. And it's not that I... I really did like this movie. My overly critical brain is saying there are two different ways that you can take the Evil Dead franchise. And it it does work on both ways. You can be Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness and Ash versus Evil Dead and be kind of campy and silly and slapsticky, but also based in horror. Or you can go Evil Dead 2013 and just be incredibly dark, incredibly horror-based, brutal, gory horror movie. And I think this this one went in that direction and not so much in the comedic direction. Um, Which I always... I get why we go into the more horror direction, but I feel like these movies are best when there's com- comedic to them yeah so like i'm gonna watch army of darkness i'm gonna see a skeleton slap around bruce campbell for 30 minutes and i'm gonna gonna enjoy it i'm gonna enjoy i'm gonna watch ash versus the evil dead and i'm gonna see you know uh bruce campbell pop one-liners and blow off a deadite's head that i think that makes evil dead but it also part of me Because I'm like conflicted a little bit and I don't know where I stand because part of me is like, I love that evil dead. I love that campiness. I love the silliness. I love like the over the top-ness of of the evil dead franchise with Bruce Campbell involved and Sam Raimi heavily involved. But I, I know you can do evil dead really, really good when it's dark horror based and brutal what overall brie what did what did you think i thought it was a good movie there was just like some parts i could not watch because i was gonna throw up anything that was vomiting you didn't like anything body horror related um i did not like the pole that went through the girl's mouth and the pulling it out Oh, that really? was like the yeah. Pl- like we walked out of the theater. You said that, and both me and Dom were like, "That's what got you." <laughs> I was like, Ooh. "I mean, so did like the throw up, the vomiting." There's a lot of vomiting in this movie. Um, I think we sh- so. It's like, where do I want to begin? 
the original conception of Evil Dead was Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell and Robert Tappert that were just like, we want to make a horror movie on the lowest possible budget with the most creative ways of doing this. So this is where you get like the iconic, um, the iconic uh, thing of the the shots of the evil and in a first person like zooming through the woods, breaking down doors in the cabin and everything. You know what I mean by that shot? Like, uh, I was told Brie, I was like, you know, I was disappointed because the um, the evil always has a noise to it in, in the Evil Dead movies and in the show. Whenever it's that first person view of the camera, like flowing through the trees and everything, yeah. it goes. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't get that. And I was like, we didn't get. Th- I wish um, uh, we could have a guest on the podcast, Brie to talk about this i wish we could have the evil on the mic going (laughs) the entire time i missed that noise um i like that they did bring that shot back a few times through um i don't think it can be evil dead without that i think that's that's it that's what makes evil dead is like you gotta have that first person shot of the evil going through the trees and breaking down the cabin door and everything we get it a couple times um, so the first Evil Dead was originally conceived to be like this very low budget horror movie, didn't really have a lot of rules and, you know, we're really rules based. So what are the rules to the Deadites? Uh, like that you could have gathered that you could have gathered. Well, they're really hard to kill. Okay. Um, the only way to kill them is to completely destroy them, dismembering them. Mm-hmm. Um, even after you destroy them, the evil just like goes somewhere else. It never stops. It never stops. I love. I think we we had discussed this when we were watching the movies and the show. Is you, like the only thing you can do is run. There's no rules. Like you can just run away. There's you cannot defeat. Yeah, there's no rules to the evil. Like this isn't a zombie movie, right? Like yes, the evil can be transferred or it can be uh, split. And it can overtake somebody through like a bite or a lick, as we saw in the movie and in previous movies. Or it could just not do that and takes take over somebody for no reason. You know, like there is no rules to this. Whether you dismember somebody's head doesn't matter. Whether you take off somebody's arm doesn't matter. Whether you stick a pole inside their mouth and goes out the backside of their head doesn't matter. These things are never dead. So like every time we have like ash or like bruce campbell fighting the deadites he's always like blowing off their heads or like dismembering them in some like crazy way because it's the only way to get rid of it kind of but, but it, it still never stops back. which is interesting um when you think back to the previous movies in the show where it's like yes the character of Ash did a good job towards the end of Army of Darkness at stopping the evil. But then, like, the very first episode of Ash versus the Evil Dead is, like, he accidentally unleashes it again. He reads from the book. <laughs> and then he can never tame it after that. He can never put it back. Because you can't do... No matter how many deadites you kill, the evil is still there. The, the, the demonic presence is still there. So it felt like there was no... This movie, there was definitely, like, no relief. It was like, there is nothing that these people can do to stop this. 
It felt like um, this was a the most unlucky family in the world. And I'm going off on a lot of different tangents here. Um, you are. Yeah, I'm, I'm going from topic to topic. I'm, I'm, I'll close all my tabs in a second. <laughs> but it felt like this was the most unlucky family in the world. I did. I didn't think that this movie was as mean as the 2013 version. Um, but man, there was no relief for this family at all. And I'm I'm kind of glad that there wasn't because the deadites don't care. They're chaotic. They're evil. But going back and closing my tabs and talking about like the the previous movies in the franchise and and kind of what makes the evil dead the evil dead, it's like, yeah, there are no rules. There's that camera shot. There's campiness, there's silliness, there's over the top gore in Evil Dead. That that's part of what makes the Evil Dead the Evil Dead. Um, except in Army of Darkness, it's PG thirteen rating. But in Ash versus the Evil Dead, for sure. Over the top gore, over the top action. So it was nice to see that come back. Um, I think it's really hard to make an Evil Dead movie without Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we were in agreement. Is that, yes, it's the Evil Dead, but is it truly part of the Evil Dead franchise without Bruce Campbell? I mean, yes and no. Like, Why? Because he was in it. Kinda, yeah. He's a vocal cameo, um, which could have been Ash. It could have easily been Ash, and we'll get there. We'll talk about that. In my heart of hearts, do I want to see like Bruce Campbell come back for one last swing? As as can Ash I say Williams. something before you go? Sure, into that? yeah. I felt like this movie had pacing issues. How so? I felt like it was very slow, and then everything happened all at once. You know what, Brie? Yes. Me and you, we got the same brain. Oh, you also thought this I also had yeah. Issues? So we watched two movies in the past few weeks that each had their own set of pacing issues. The Mario movie was, was too fast, and then this movie was I felt too slow at the beginning. My God, I felt like they took so long to say nothing in the beginning because none of the none of the character development and I appreciate the effort for the character development but like none of that shit mattered throughout the movie. So we establish we open the opener was awesome. Yeah, let's why don't we get into it. Uh, the opener was awesome. Oh, so good the titles credit, the, t- the, the title credits so we get these a uh, character we get the the sweet, 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 the first person thing and we go to um like a a, a lake and there's a girl reading a story and we, the first person thing, the reason why we don't get the noise, Anthony, is because it isn't a, it isn't the evil. It's a drone. But we got the evil later and it, we still didn't get the noise. This is true. But and it's a drone and it's like this girl, her cousin and her cousin's boyfriend, they all went to this cabin. The cousin is sick and she is in the cabin and the one the other girl she's like reading and the boyfriend's like annoying her and she's like i she's like i got i'm just gonna tell her i'm gonna leave because i don't want to be here with her and her boyfriend so she goes inside and then she's reading withering heights Mm -hmm. and then the cousin like sits up in bed and starts reciting the book where the girl is without seeing the book her back is to her yeah and then 
she's like, you need to stop. She tells her cousin stop. And then it's kind of like she throws up, says some crazy shit, throws up and like dies, like dies. And then we get like this. I would rather she was saying I'd rather like um, do anything else than be with your like um, no brained. Oh, she's like, I'd rather. um God, what did she say? And I can't because we never took notes. Yeah, so it was like something like that. Like I'd rather than your no-brained like boyfriend or something. Yeah, and yeah, so the dead, the the deadite, like now having her. taken over that girl's yeah, it's body like, is like I can do that and like scalps her. Oh, it like tears her off, off her whole top of her head, and it's I think that's such a good um way to open the movie is like. You are telling the audience, expect brutality and, and then, ex- expect this to be like very over the top and gory and brutal. That girl runs out to warn the boyfriend who's kind of like, oh, my God, what the frick? And then the girl, t- the one who's infested with the deadite, takes the drone and like like hurts herself with it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. These deadites. So like common trait of deadites. Um, from previous movies and shows too is that they are chaotic evil so they're like they actively fuck with people and they actively mock people they target insecurities they target whatever's going on with that person and they have no uh no restraint when it comes to hurting the body that they're possessing because they don't care. Yeah. And so she kind of like hurts, gets hurt with the drone and then falls into the water. And the boyfriend goes in after her. And the girl's like, don't, don't. And then there's like a bunch of blood in the water. And then the deadite comes out of the water floating. And it's evil. And then we get the title. So you, like, in big letters. Evil right Dead behind. Rise. Yeah. And I was like. That's- and you get that. You get that Evil Dead music where it's like. And then we get, it's like the day before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then to figure out how we got to here. Yes. So we're introduced to um, our main characters. We're introduced to, and I can't remember, Beth, right? Beth is this, uh, she is a guitar technician. And that's who we open up on. Mm-hmm. She's kind of like, she's in a bathroom. She's taking a pregnancy test. And um, that's where we first meet her. I want to throw this out there Mm -hmm. as a little bit of a... Maybe it was a little over my head. Maybe it wasn't. When I told you earlier in the podcast about how there's all these like little character development things to like make sure that we kind of know what these characters are about. They throw stuff in there and they keep making reference to things that ultimately don't matter. There was no reason for her to have been pregnant. Oh, no. There's no reason for and, her to be. And it led to nothing. Like, it went nowhere. Um, there, There's other things, too. Like, we start meeting some of the other characters. We meet um, the mom, whose name I can't remember. Uh, do you remember her name? No, I didn't. The mom with the red hair. She's a tattoo artist. That, don't, don't okay, know why we I, need to Sure, know I guess. <laughs> Fine. Um... The oldest son, Danny, 
is like a DJ. Which I didn't only need to know that because that's why he has turntables. Yes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the middle daughter, Bridget is uh, like an activist. All right. Great. That leads to nothing. (laughs) <laughs> it's never mentioned outside of like one I was like, throwaway I guess line. the only thing about the youngest sister is she made uh, a staff called Staphanie and it's like a baby's head on a... Well, and then she said like, I got stung by a jellyfish and I was afraid of going underwater. So now I need to check if there's water. So I thought... There was going to be something later on in the movie where she was going to be in peril in the bathtub or something and need to be rescued or was like afraid to go under and she's going to see something underwater. And then there's nothing about that. So I guess that's like one of my main critiques of the movie is that when we get to like the character development, we're asking ourselves why we're asking ourselves, why do these throwaway lines about who these people are matter to us right now? If it's not going to lead anywhere and gosh, for it's like 40 minutes of the movie. Oh my goodness. You, it, we, I felt like we were waiting a long time Mm -hmm. to get to like the evil dead part. Yeah, and then I'm thinking about, like, I know Evil Dead 2 is, like, the first act of the movie is recapping the previous movie, but whenever I think of, like, the Evil Dead, it's like, all right, Ash goes to the cabin, reads the book, now we're on fire, right? And it doesn't take a long time to get there, because there's really nothing to say before we get there. And I felt like we took a very long time to get to the evil dead because what happens is a bunch of like background and then there's a earthquake mm-hmm. after this because the one sister because she's pregnant she comes back and meets with her sister she finds out like she's been ignoring her sister for a while and her sister's husband left her and there's all this stuff and the kids now like they're without their dad and they're moving out of this condemned building and everyone has to move out within the next like couple of days which that's okay because we need to know position we need to, to know the buildings getting condemned and they have to leave mm-hmm. um that's why they're packing up stuff do you think that this movie had like okay so horror movies and I, I go back and forth with this horror movies tend these days to have a lot of like social commentary on it did you feel like there was anything in here social commentary wise the only thing that was remotely social commentary which i think wasn't even supposed to be social commentary is when the deadite is going to try and kill like our main character and she's like a soul and it's like and then she goes to the the stomach and the the girl's like just got pregnant like she's not like showing or anything mm-hmm. and she's like two souls and i leaned over to you yeah, and i said yeah brave stance to brave, me uh pro-life stance I was from like the deadite pro, i was like pro-life stance by a deadite mm-hmm. i was like i don't know if that was intended i kind of um i didn't spot a lot of social commentary in here and and, and we're in an era where a lot of like horror filmmakers are very eager to put in you know, oh, this is a commentary on fascism, or this is a commentary on homelessness. This was not a commentary I felt like this Evil Dead movie was just like this is a fun movie about dead people. We're just gonna kill everyone. Yeah, <laughs> and th- this is just brutal. It's like 
this is just a family that is going through the most unlucky situation yeah. in their lives. So like the the main character and the sister are getting into it and they want to have a convers- private conversation. So the mom sends the kids out for pizza and then on the kids way back there's an earthquake. Did you notice the name of the pizza shop? No, I didn't. Henrietta's. Henrietta was the um in Evil Dead 2 is the wife of the guy that initially owns the cabin that's infected with a deadite that Ash locks in the cellar. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. So um uh, the like the earthquake happens which um unveils like this like secret like vault. Yeah, they said that the building used to be a bank. Yeah, so in the vault there was the records of the person who originally transcribed the necronomicon yeah it's all great the necronomicon is here in san francisco and the one (laughs) the older brother goes down and grabs it and he grabs the the records and the necronomicon so then he goes back to the apartment and starts looking at the necronomicon and realizes he can't open it like it's bound in human flesh and it has it's like locked with teeth like very sharp teeth and then when he bleeds on it it opens so then this idiot puts on the well, records the, well what happens first he's doing that with his sister and the sister's like let's get rid of it like that thing is creepy as hell she's, she's like, it's got some weird drawings she's like you in need it. to get rid of it and this kid's not just like okay he gets the records out First of all, I feel felt like the records should have been in a different order and they should tell you to not do it at the beginning of the records. Not the last one. <laughs> <laughs> so he puts on the records and it starts telling us this exposition about like in the 1920s, these priests found the Necronomicon and they started to try to transcribe it and they were getting approval from the Vatican. And then you hear somebody in the background of the record uh, yell, um... Don't do it. That's called the Book of the Dead for a reason. That's Bruce Campbell. And that's totally. <laughs> it could have been because Ash is known to time travel. I think it is totally Ash. Yeah. Because if you think about it, why would anyone else say it? And and nobody else has knowledge of the Necronomicon. Even though I don't think this was the Necronomicon because they mentioned. Um, I, I picked up on in that, that, that priest talking about it, he said it's they didn't call it the necronomicon they called it something else and the priest says this is one of three volumes so i'm wondering if i mean you can make an argument that this movie does take place in the same universe as the original evil dead trilogy it's just a different book book and the 2013 version, which is a different book as well. So those are your three books. You could make an argument, right? That all of this takes place in the same universe, even though it's like very disconnected right now. Because they just have the three books. It's open they, to be linked. Do you think that they could stop it if they had all three books? I don't know. Who cares? Wouldn't that be interesting, though? That's something to think about. I think like, OK, so close, closing my all tabs. Three. And do like, Ash, if you get the three books, so the 2013 and this one, and be like, it was never a reboot because I know They're all the same movie. Ash, it, the original Evil Dead trilogy, they do have. It's called the Necronomicon. It looks different. The 
2013 version, they call it something else. It's not the Necronomicon. They call it something else. And then this movie, they call it something else too. So it's entirely possible that if they wanted to link all of these things together, they could. Now, going back to what I was previously saying about Bruce Campbell, it's like, do I want Bruce Campbell to come back for like one last shot at being Ash? Yes. He's old. (laughs) (laughs) He was old in Ash versus Evil Dead. And I think he's... I think he's getting up there and it's going to be tougher for him to come back, but it's going to be tougher for him to do practical stunts. Yes. He'll need to have a st- more, uh, the stunt double will need to do more. I agree. Um, anyway, continuing forward. So when he puts on the record, he says the words, um, something, some, something about Candor. Uh, because they're Kandorian demons, essentially. And and then the evil's released. And then you get the, the evil flowing through um, the apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> and then it hits, uh, what's her face? The mom. Yes, the mom. The mom. And then they, they give us the scene in the elevator. Uh, mom's going to like do laundry or something and they give us the scene in the elevator where the the wires in the elevator start attacking her and it's very similar to the evil dead scene with the tree and the branches that hold the lady up and everything um the uh actress that portrayed the mom uh Alyssa sutherland She said in an interview, like, I think these interviews are really cool with the director and the actors where they start talking about like the production because she claims that all of the uh, effects were practical in this movie. And like none of it was CGI except for the colors of her eyes when Which she was. Which they a dead learned because in the original Evil Dead, it hurts the actors. Yeah. To have those contacts in. Um. Can I sidebar? Sure. The book in the 2013 one is called the Naturum Dimanto. Okay. That's just, did they say in this one? I don't what it was know. Called? I'll look it up. You keep talking. Yeah. So Alyssa Sutherland says that they didn't do any uh, CGI effects other than the eyes. All the blood used in this movie was practical. All the bl- they used seventeen hundred gallons of blood, um, which yeah, uh, they they had talked about how. So there's this scene when she gets possessed and she is like on the walls, and I remember Bree yesterday I told you about that and you're like, she she did that like she was on the walls like no that was a stunt double, um, but it was still practical right like. Every movement that she does in this movie as a deadite, the like very like uh, jerky motions of like her arms and the um, and her shoulders and things like that, her facial features. I got to say that like we're so, so the one in this one yeah, is also the Naturum de Monto. Oh, it's that's this, the this Naturum de Monto. Are this, you sure? Yes. Okay. It's the same book, so that we don't have the third book. All right. That doesn't make sense. I don't know. You can retcon something. They can figure out their way around if they really wanted to do it. But Alyssa Sutherland, when she's in deadite mode, like the jerkiness of the shoulders and the arms and like the facial expressions and like the, the shuffling around, 
we've seen deadites in the past and we're so used to like the original version of the deadites where they're just like chaotic not very scary i gotta say i think this movie in general this depiction of deadites as well as like the vibe of this movie definitely the scariest of the evil dead movies you know what i mean yes like Alyssa sutherland i feel like did a very good job of the movements how do you move as a deadite you know like how do you make it different than the uh, original movies because in the original movies it was just like they're floating around or they're like monsters this one it's zombie-esque but it's also like it looks like i am possessed by a demon yes what does it, it look like because it looks like something who something that would be able to walk but not in the same way a human walks like doesn't know how to be so it doesn't human. know how to like because in my thoughts demons like don't walk on two legs mm-hmm. sure like that's just my thought so maybe it's like trying to get used to that and like it's jerky motions are because they're used to moving all four limbs mm-hmm. and so they're moving all four limbs when they walk yeah so the elevator attacks her before she gets possessed and that leads to the possession so when all the kids and the aunts are in the apartment building it's like now we're moving now yes. we're at a point so at where first, this movie starts to get faster. So at first I think she's dead. Yeah. Um, she like convulses and she pukes everywhere. First she comes in and she starts making eggs and she's like just throwing eggs in the pan with the shells in there. And she said, well, I, I remember this time when we were on vacation and how I just wanted to like cut you all open. And she's like telling this like really weird story. And they're like, what the hell's going on with mom? And then she convulses and throws up, throws up everywhere. And then she says before dying, don't let them get my, my babies. Mm -hmm. What was I going to say? I don't know. I was, I paused because I was like going to say something (laughs) and I completely forgot where I was going with it. Now they, um, there's like so much confusion that these characters have about what's going on. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's not that hard to follow. Like if this was happening to us. We're like, oh no. Oh no. Something supernatural. Ne- Someone read the Naturo Demonito. Why don't they just call it the Necronomicon? Is there, is there copyright around I that I or have something? no idea. Um, the Necronomicon. Necronomicon ex mortis. That was what we were going to get as our wedding book, to, uh, our sign-in book. And I thought, yeah, I don't think my grandma would really appreciate writing the, her name in the Necronomicon. Well, <laughs> we can't all be perfect. Yeah, so she, they think she's dead and they're trying to take her to... Um, or they, they put her in a bed and yeah, we're introduced can't, like the neighbors. Yeah, because we can't get in. Like They're stuck where they're at. Mm-hmm. Like the the stairs are broke, like destroyed in the earthquake and they can't use the elevator. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm yawning. Um, we're introduced to the neighbors and they're. Um, Gosh, I'm trying to the fig- old guy? Remember, remember the sequence of events that happened. Because how does she end up in the bathtub? Because 
what happens we're introduced to all the neighbors and then she's sitting on the bed with the sister and then she hears the voicemail go off and then the 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 fly lands on the eyelid oh and yeah she yeah. blinks and she's like oh my god she's alive and she's burning up so they put her into the, oh, the okay. tub and the tub starts to like boil. boil and then she goes under and it's like crazy and she jumps up on the thing and then goes then falls back down and then comes out and the little girl's like mom and she goes mommy's with the maggots now Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that's when i would run yeah. ah! I said, um, i'd poop yeah you you leaned over to me multiple times and you're like i'd poop <laughs> <laughs> you said that multiple times to me um it's scary i poop well as soon as she now got on the wall now i understand why that one lady when she's hiding under the bed in um friday the 13th peas she pees yeah because like in those moments where you're really scared like you lose control of your like bladder and your bowels when she was on the wall out in the bathroom and then she screams and it like breaks the glass and everything i thought i'm out the kids should have known demon at that point everyone should have known (laughs) demon at that point everybody should have been like all right, she got a demon in her or something like get this lady an exorcist. And we kind of get like there's fight scene and like they she, get. She attacks Beth and stabs Beth with a piece of glass through the hand. And that looks so painful. Yeah. Um, can I say something? And sure. I, I'm, I'm going a little bit off uh, our, our path here. Beth walks out of this movie without really taking a lot of damage she i felt like she should have and she's great her i i felt like she should have lost a hand in evil dead fashion she should have lost a hand i think she i just think she should have taken more damage than she did um i mean some of these characters get fucked up like all the neighbors die die horrifically um the the daughter well okay so let's put it this way we're not there yet we're getting there in in our sequence of events but they kill the kids all but one all but one um they kill the kids so immediately when bridget gets infected and i'm like okay she's gonna die that was when i was like okay all bets are off because now, they're, they're going to kill kids. Yes. And I think that was one of my main concerns when this movie was like, when it had the trailers and stuff coming out, was like, oh man, like most of the cast are kids. So I'm wondering if they're going to like, there's going to be like a bunch of new cast members like introduced in the movie so they can die, but the kids can survive because horror movies tend to not like to kill kids because they're all like, that's a little too you know overboard and that's a little too over uh a a little too dark but when they started introducing all of the people that live on the floor i was like okay they're not gonna kill the kids so when they do kill the kids i was like all right this movie just got very like real (laughs) yeah so they kill so in the struggle bridget gets like tattooed in the face and then she uh, the mom licks it and the mom licks it 
and they get the mom and they lock her out in the hallway. Mm-hmm. And that's how most of the neighbors die. Because yeah, one guy gets his eye bit I al- out. I almost threw up on that part. Where, oh, that was like the most gets, evil dead shit. Where he gets the eyeball in his mouth yeah. and then he like spits it. I was like, Ugh. That was That was, that kill was definitely the most evil dead of the evil dead kills. And I was, that was the like, can- That was like where it got campy a little bit was the eye thing. So um, that's where like where I almost puked. Another one gets disemboweled. Oh man, how cool was that sequence of looking through the peephole um, and seeing her like rampage throughout the hall, like through the lens of the um, of the eye hole. I thought that was really creative. Um, and I thought I think there's a lot of scariness that comes from like, I'm putting my eye here and I'm looking to see what's out there and I'm only seeing this. So when it comes to like a director's vision, that is totally something that the director's like, I think this aesthetically can look really scary is looking and having the sequence just straight through the peephole and having these characters consistently be putting their eye here. And you're like, what are they going to see? And And how are they going to see? Then we get like the, the kids are supposed to be watching the littlest one, but Bridget's in the, the kitchen and she's threw up like this black maggots and maggot thing cockroach and all this nasty stuff and so she's not paying attention to the the little girl the little girl goes through the eye hole and she's talking to the mom and mom's like open up and she does and then she's like choking out the kid and that's where everyone comes the beth comes running and the brother come running and then beth like goes into the kitchen to look for bridget and she's like on the counter like crouched eating a glass a wine glass like wine glass and, and you see the glass like protruding through her throat as she like bites and swallows yeah. it and it's like i have to kill the the crop creepy crawlies i don't like when things are creepy crawlies are in my tummy what i appreciated a lot was that the deadites were um like i said earlier like a common thing about the deadites is that they they mock your insecurities they mock you and they laugh at your horror um so like they were consistently mocking the fact that the dad left they were consistently trying to manipulate each other um or, or the normal people into like letting her in by saying you know uh, your dad is here your dad is here or that we can all be a family again they start mocking uh Beth for being a groupie and being pregnant and being like um uh like not having a life together you know mm-hmm. i i think that is like that's the most deadite of the deadites is that they will laugh in your face and mock you while you're experiencing this horror well then um they lock her back out and she's like by dawn everyone in this dead bil- by dawn dead yeah. by dawn everyone will be dead by dawn and um and they said, keep, they Bridget keep chanting, gets, swallow your soul, swallow your soul. Poke through the head. She goes after the brother and the little girl, little sister. She gets impaled by Stephanie. Which is like this, the, the weapon that the, the little, little girl, girl makes. And so they, t- they tie her up. They're like, we think she's dead. She's not. Because um, later on, they're trying to... 
the they're dealing with what's happening at the door and then the, the Bridget's in the back but she's possessed and like we get like this whole like now the the problem is inside the house too and well they they think that they kill Bridget they tie her up and they put like a blanket over her and then Beth talks to Danny and says I want to listen to what the rest of that record has to say if there's a way to stop this so she locks them out while beth stays in with her headphones on listening to the record meanwhile the mom hears the cat in the vents and is like oh i can get around using the vents Mm -hmm. so she crawls up into the vents and also meanwhile bridget reanimates Mm -hmm. and goes after danny stabbing him like multiple times she gets lit on fire yes and um that that's kind of that but beth hears um the last part of the recording which basically is the priest saying there is no way to stop this you just have to run you have to run you can try to dismember them but they're just going to keep coming back and you just got to run so there really isn't an answer it's very like um morose like very dark in in the sense of there is no way to stop this you have opened it up and now you can't put it back so the mom crawls into the room and attacks beth beth gets a cheese grater to the leg which was hyped up a lot and actually like wasn't that bad of a scene like i was kind of like cringing going into the movie because I knew that that cheese grater was going to come into play because everyone kept talking, oh, the cheese grater, the cheese grater, yes. the cheese grater. And it was like half a second. And it could have been it could have been much worse than it was. Um. So ultimately, so Danny's dead. Danny reanimates. And ultimately, the aunt and the little girl decide... We got to get out of here somehow. And they try to go through the fire escape. And and first they get into the elevator. And now all the neighbors start to reanimate too. And they all start chanting at her, we'll swallow your soul, we'll swallow your soul, which is a callback to Evil Dead 2. All the deadites chanting that they'll swallow Ash's soul. And in the most like, you've never seen The Shining before. And that's been one thing where I'm like, Brie, gotta watch The Shining. Like, we gotta watch The Shining at some point. You know that classic scene with the elevator in The Shining? Are you yes, aware of that? Yes, like, I'm with the more, blood the blood yes, coming? Yes, I am not from under a rock. Yes. In the most, like, hit-you-over-the-head reference to The Shining, the elevator that, uh, what's-her-face, the aunt and the kid are in starts to fill up with blood and they're about to like drown in there and then the elevator opens up and all the blood starts to come out very shining-esque so they're trying to get down to the parking garage and get to the car so that they can escape they're just trying to run at this point meanwhile how do i explain this brie what happens while they're in the garage? The, How do you explain this? Because in the most terrifying, the like, most like body horror Cronenberg esque looking creature design, 
all of the people that are possessed by deadites like kind of merge into one weird looking abomination creature does that make sense yeah like and and you can see like the mom you can see bridget and you can see danny's head but the arms and the legs are like everywhere and it's very like bot it's grotesque body horror yes um so they start chasing uh the aunt and the kid in the parking garage. And for some reason, there's a wood chipper in an urban area in a parking garage in the middle of the city. So I'm, I'm forgetting what happens next. Bree, can you help me out? Um, they're in the, they're trying to get away in the car Yeah, and the, the building's old. So the thing to open up the gate, is it's hard it's hard they finally get it open that thing comes out and their problem is they the car is stuck in like one of the holes made by the earthquake so they have to get out of the car but the thing is is chasing them so they're like having to go around the car to hide from it they finally run to they're running towards the open thing but the thingy the creature is making it close Mm -hmm. so they go underneath it Beth gets out, but they drag the little girl back in. So now Beth has to try to get back in. She breaks through to get back in. And now, like, the kid was in the car that had the wood chipper attached. And they were trying to put Beth in the wood chipper. But then Beth kind of, like, kicks it. And then they... And the girl turns off the wood chipper. And then she picks up the chainsaw and... Set, tells the little girl turn it back on and they wood chip the creature and she says come get some yeah and like then, a very overt call back to evil dead 2 and then um it's just the head of the sister and oh she chainsaws the head she shoves the chainsaw down into the head of this like cronenberg-esque creature and shoves it inside the wood chipper to where it's just the sister's head Yes. And the deadite is like still mocking her. And the deadite says like something You're going to be a bad mom, basically. Yeah. And like, you th- I'm, not, I'm not going, like, you're not going to get rid of me. Like, kind of like that. Yeah. And then they, she's like, F you and chops that head. And then her and the girl leave. And then we get a cut to a different floor in the building. And a girl, she's walking out. She's talking on the phone. We just got our like phones just started working like 10 minutes ago. She's like getting into her car and then she sees like the car on and all the doors open. She goes to check it out and she realizes there's all this blood and she's like totally freaked out. And then we get the first person like (laughs) thing and it kind of like hits her and she's in it's like, so this is like, it's just going to keep continuing. It's just going to keep continuing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the end because then that's the girl from the cabin from the beginning. Right. Like we've tied all of her loose ends. Yeah. Awesome. I thought overall the movie was very good I thought it was for very what good. it was. It had some pacing issues, but it was my, pretty good. One of my criticisms was um, I feel like we didn't cover any new ground here. Like we were just saying the same thing that we've said in previous Evil Dead movies. So I'd like to see... And I know you have to do that for like a reboot to get the audience back on board, but I'd like to see them go balls to the wall if they make a sequel. Like 
just start adding to the mythology a little bit. Like let's let's get a little bit more of the lore. Let's get a little bit more of like let's get all three books. Something new. Like bring us like that's what I think Ash versus Evil Dead did very well was like you didn't just give us the same movie about you're in the cabin, the mm-hmm. demons come, people die. You started to give us a little bit more of the mythology about like Candor, the Candarian demon, like stuff like that. And I think if you make a sequel to this, it's got to be a little bit, it's got to cover some new ground somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it can't be books. the same thing over again. They did mention there. there's one out of three volumes is what they found. But I don't know. Maybe somebody goes hunting for these books. Right? And the only or way to- what if it's like, okay, we can do this and we can make the same movie essentially. Because we but- could do a ser- like a franchise, like a couple movies of we're trying to find all three volumes of this book so we could stop it. Mm-hmm. And we could stop it. There's nothing that stops people from opening up the book and reading from it again. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like, you remember, do you remember um, that Predator movie that came out like a few months ago, Prey, and it was really good. And it's like, what happens if you just drop a Predator in like random ass time periods? What happens if you just drop this book in like random places? (laughs) So like, we are outside of the cabin in this movie. We're in a more urban setting. We're condensed to the apartment. I don't know. What if the book shows up and like... I don't know the suburbs <laughs> you know what i mean it can be like anywhere that mm-hmm. this book what if what if the book shows up in japan i there's a whole bunch of like things that you can do in that regard um so i think that this if there is a sequel to this it's got to cover a little bit new ground it's got to be a little bit more of like not the same thing over and over again mm-hmm. i don't know how they do it um but that's not my job yeah and I'm here to watch, I'm here to enjoy, and I'm here to support. So I gotta know. How good is it? Um, the good skill. Let me jot this down. Um Evil. Evil. Every villain is lemons. Hang on, I'm writing it down. Evil. Evil. The good skill. Um, what are we out of ten? Yeah. Good, I'm gonna say what what are you gonna go? Eight two. Yeah, I'm gonna go well no. Mm. Sure. Yeah, I'll go eight two. Let's go eight two. And then okay. scary. How scary was it? How scary is it? I thought it was pretty scary. I not, thought this was the scariest of not, the evil dead movies. Not skinamarink scary. I'm in the skinamarink house. <laughs> what do we give skinamarink? We we gave it like a nine three or something like this that. Is it like, was in the nines, I think. I think this is like a solid like seven nine nine. <laughs> it was scary. I'm trying to think. It of, was gross. Well, gross isn't scary. I'm thinking like scary to me but is I'm not dumb. scary to you. It's like scary to me is vibe, and scary to me is like situational. So, Evil Dead 2, to me, is not scary. This movie, on the other hand, I think is the scariest of the Evil Dead movies, has the scariest depiction of the Deadites, 
has maybe the most brutal of the depictions of the Deadites. Can I tell you something that is bugging me about movies these days? What's bugging you about movies these days? Horror movies or like things that tend to want to be horror movies always have this weird like light blue hue to it, like color tone to it. You know what I mean? I guess. When uh, The Unborn did that, like Morbius, Twilight does that. I hate that. I wish we could find a different thing to do for that different color scheme for it. But uh, I digress. So scary. I think I'm going to put it up as an 8.7. Interesting. I think I'm going to go 8.7 on the scary scale. And that's that. I would be interested in revisiting some of the Evil Dead movies. Yeah, we could totally do Especially, that. I haven't seen the 2013 one in a long time. And I know that one's like very brutal. Um, but I was reading online, like people were saying, I like the 2013 one better than this one. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't, I remember seeing the 23 and like not being super impressed by it when I was in high school. But I don't know. Um, overall, brief final, the final thoughts. I thought it was good. It had some pacing issues, but it was a good movie. Yeah, if you, if we rushed the first like 40 minutes a little bit more. It would be perfect. Instead of focusing on like stuff that didn't matter ultimately, then it would have been really good. I feel like, um, I feel like she should have taken more. I feel like she should have lost a hand. Okay. Beth should have lost a hand. They always lose hands. They always lose. Like, Ash loses a hand. Jane Levy's character in 2013 loses a hand. She got to lose a hand. And then she got to put a chainsaw on that hand. (laughs) Why not? Why not? Um, Okay. So, that's that, I believe. Uh, That's it. So, I think we're... Okay, can can I say something real quick? Yes. I think we're having a really good year so far for horror movies. Yeah, I also feel like that's... This is a really strong year. This movie was supposed to be released on uh, straight to streaming on HBO Max. And then it was testing so well that they were like, I think we can make more money with it in the theaters. I don't know how much money this has made as of its two-day release window right now. But this was competing with um, Renfield, the Dracula movie that just came out we haven't seen yet. Um, which is considered horror, still considered horror action, but it's also competing with um, Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid, um, which just came out as well. So like three horror movies in like the same kind of span of time. That's interesting to me. Um, I think we're having a really good year so far. Every like horror movie that we've seen that's come out this year I think we've thoroughly enjoyed from like Megan to Scream to uh, um, Skinnamarink to this. I think we've been having a good time watching all of these these movies, especially these newer ones that are coming out. I'm sure there are stinkers here and there like um, this is personal, but we did not like Cocaine Bear. Oh my god, that was such a bad movie. We were not fans of Cocaine Bear. Um, Cocaine Bear, I felt, was like too random. It, it didn't make sense. It was, Also, it was very CG and very obviously CG. I thought that 
Cocaine Bear had issues in the writing where it was like characters were just saying things like very randomly and they're passing it off as a joke. So like there's this thing that people are talking about with like Joss Whedon or like MCU style writing where a character will do something and then another character will be like, well, that just happened. <laughs> or like um, something in the, in the line in, in regards to that. Um, and I felt like that was the entire movie of Cocaine Bear. Like they would see something and they'd be like, well, that just happened. Or <laughs> <laughs> I felt it just didn't seem like a movie. It didn't seem like a movie. It just was like, <laughs> what is going on? And we were like, we there was like, should we finish it? Like we had that conversation. We're like, well, should we finish it? But they and then they Godzilla'd the cocaine bear, where it's like in every Godzilla movie, it's like Godzilla starts out as like this big villain, but then it, towards the last act of the movie becomes the hero. We're like, what is cocaine bear is a good guy now? Cocaine bear is a good guy after having eaten everybody. Yeah, and like. Did the supervillain thing of like targeting one person for like an entire portion of this movie. Where <laughs> you know when we watched Jurassic Park 3 and I was like, the Spinosaurus is a supervillain because it's like targeting this group of people. Yeah. Instead of like being an animal. <laughs> That's how I felt like the cocaine bear was. Cocaine bear was like targeting people specifically. Uh, you know, I to get the cocaine. Sure. I, this isn't the Cocaine Bear podcast, okay. but that was our experience watching Cocaine Bear. All um, right. Why don't we wrap it up? This has been awesome. Uh, I still have not made any social medias because I'm a piece of trash. But if you want to follow <sighs> Anthony on Twitter, you can follow him at GLDTV. I don't have a blue check mark, nor will I be paying the $8 for one. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, you must first read from the Newman. I forgot how you say it. Just Necronomicon. Yeah. This is, yeah. The, the old Call school. Call it the old school one. Necronomicon. Um, anyway. And then she'll be flying at you going. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, you know, everywhere. Yeah, I agree. We'll be back uh, next week with something. Maybe. We will be back next week, <laughs> though. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, this has been the How Scary Is It podcast. My name's Anthony. And I'm Bree. And we'll see you next week. Bye.